Welcome to Educated Messes, a podcast to help you sift through the bullshit around work, well-being, and relationships. We'll ask questions, seek answers, and share experiences to help you navigate the messier parts of life. Because trial and error is a lot easier when we do it for you. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kyla, and this is part two of our little self-compassion series. Go listen to the first episode if you want to hear us figure out that we're, we have work to do. <laughs> no surprises there. <laughs> yeah. And in this uh, episode, we're going to chat about how we might grow in this area. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, we sort of touched on like what self-compassion is in theory based on what the experts say. And then we did a little how self-compassionate am I quiz. <laughs> and it was rough. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about what you know, the experts say about moving through it and getting to a place where we practice more self-compassion towards ourselves. Nice. Cool. So yeah, I feel like sort of like the time old saying is to treat yourself the way you would treat a friend who's having a hard time. Right, 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 right. Which I think is like a great theory and I think it's really hard in practice. Mm-hmm. And I know there's so much of this dialogue out there that's like, you would never say these things to a friend, but you're saying them to yourself. But I think it's very hard when we get in these like negative self-talk pathways to mm-hmm. halt and recognize and shift. And so mm-hmm. Kyla's going to just go bananas because oh, essentially <laughs> the real, you know, kicker here is mindfulness because the ability (laughs) to be intentional about what we're thinking and how we're talking to ourselves instead of just letting it like flow out of control is an act of mindfulness so like bringing you back pausing being like bringing awareness to what it is you're thinking and if it really is true or if it's fair or if it's mean like being just aware of that and I guess you're not really supposed to judge those thoughts but just bringing awareness to like is this something I would say to my friend okay yes no why am I saying it to myself yeah I think that once you get to the place where you can catch and identify a thought then you can choose like I think that's right kind of what's important about mindfulness is getting to a place of choice where you're not being driven by your emotions or these core beliefs that maybe aren't serving you, but, you know, noticing them ha- and not judging yourself for having them and then and then making a intentional values aligned choice in how you want to behave. Okay, way easier said than done. Let me just be very for clear. sure. This, is, this takes practice. This takes years. Like this is something that you need to work on. But yeah, it's been a very helpful thing for me. Yes. I think that also there would you could be someone who had like a regular mindfulness practice and still fall into this trap like regularly. Like oh, it's just sure. – it's always going to be challenging I think. So a piece that I found really interesting when I was reading about this was sort of the concept of self-esteem and how it relates mm. to self-compassion. And so essentially like when we feel inadequate or embarrassed or like a failure – our own self-concept is threatened. So like our self-esteem is deeply threatened by those feelings. And so as a survival mechanism, we attack the problem, but the problem is us. So (laughs) we just start like spitfiring solutions. I use solutions loosely (laughs) at ourselves in a way that is sort of harmful. Hmm. 
And so Kristen F talks a lot about how self-esteem is like a fair weather friend. So self-esteem is predicated on social comparison. So like how you compare, how you line up to others and it's contingent on success. So whether or not you're doing well, whether it's socially or work-wise or whatever it is. And so you judge yourself positively when you succeed by those metrics and then you judge yourself negatively when you fail. And then self-compassion is more based on self-worth that comes simply from being a human being who is imperfect and suffers and succeeds and fails and all of these things. And because of that, it's like a much more stable place to get like a self-identity from Mm -hmm. because it's there for you even when you're like in the depths of it all. And it's not based on being better than someone else. It's actually based on being the same as other people. Like we all exist in this realm where we screw Mm. up and we do well and we have these ups and downs. So I thought that was really interesting because I think that these things are super linked to one another. Like think there's so many ways we could take this conversation. I think self-criticism, especially in like young folks who identify as women, it's like I do see shifts happening in like the generation below us, but even growing up in the culture of like Heidi Klum's or was it Heidi Klum who was the one who said like nothing? I won't say it. It's so triggering. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like growing up in that culture of just like extreme diet culture, which like mm-hmm. the generation above us did as well, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think so much of self-esteem in young women is rooted in in self-image and body image. And so I could go on a lot of tangents, but I liked the idea of self-worth as opposed to self-esteem because mm-hmm. I think self-esteem can be so challenging for so many different reasons. Yeah. And I think I can speak for myself in saying that like a lot of my own self-criticism, when I see it come up, when I when I'm lacking self-compassion, I can often trace it down to diet culture and some of these concepts that are so harmful and hard to move away from. Yeah. I have so many little thoughts coming up about this. Um, Okay. Let me try and sort through these. So (laughs) in the last episode, the last or the first part of this um, self-compassion series, we talked a tiny bit about like redefining what failure means. I think that's something mm-hmm. that, that I I had done for myself that helped with my self-compassion. And what you're just talking about, um, it feels also relevant to redefine what success means to you mm-hmm. in particular. And I don't know why this morning I was listening back to our shoulds episode. Mm-hmm. And you actually talked quite a bit about like being specific about what success means to you um, mm-hmm. based on advice from your mama, which was really yeah. good. And I think that like what you're saying about diet culture kind of being like a marker of success is so relevant. I think that how this comes up for me a lot is like the concept of being neurotypical and performing well or like air quotes being successful within a capitalist society which like isn't a a useful measure for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and for a lot of people and when I used to uh, hold myself to that as like success it was not healthy and it definitely did not help with my self-esteem or self-worth because it's just not how my brain works so I think it's yeah, compassion is so important when we're operating in all of these systems. And obviously, like, there's so many different levels of oppression and, and different intersectionality that contributes to, like, the mm-hmm. the ability to reach the goals that society has set out for us. It's 
oh my god it's layered but yes yeah compassion I think is a, a super helpful tool when we're in a society <laughs> yeah that we are in well yeah almost like intersectionality in terms of compassion is more difficult when you have more things set against you in yeah, a sense. Yeah, or more like, messaging about your worth it, or what. Exactly. Yeah, it's very complex. Right. Like when the system isn't built for you, it's easier to feel more and more like a failure, which I think is mm-hmm. a part of self-compassion when in reality, mm-hmm. that's not the, that you're not a failure, but it, it mm-hmm. feels more like that because in society's view of you, mm-hmm. you're not doing what they deem as, mm-hmm. I don't even know the word, like yeah superior that's a dicey word yeah (laughs) Yeah, productive so yeah Yeah. I thought that I think that that piece of self-compassion is really interesting and I think that a lot of people struggle with like feelings of self-esteem I know I'm not alone in that and I do notice that a lot of my self-criticism is rooted in some of this diet culture that like that's an aspect of it for me it it applies to my work and it applies to other parts of my life but I I notice it a lot in like negative self-talk about the way I look or whatever it is and so I think that this idea of like when our self-esteem or our concept of self is threatened and then we sort of like pick away at ourselves as if that's gonna fix it is really just like the opposite of the solution (laughs) like we're trying to criticize ourselves into a place where we feel better and that's just not it's not gonna work do you want me to share a mantra yeah hit me (laughs) this has been I think the biggest tool and like the only thing that clicked for me was self-compassion when I first started trying to actually practice it was just the phrase of course I feel blank and then kind of like being in conversation with yourself Mm. so an example for me could be like I, I, the work thing is coming up because like yeah. working a staple job is is tricky. And for me, it could be like, oh, of, of course I feel exhausted. Like I'm working in ways that don't work for my brain within, <laughs> within a system that wasn't built for me. And mm-hmm. I think that like you can go pretty far with that. Mm-hmm. But or just like, of course, you feel sad. Of course, you feel uncomfortable. This is a new experience. Of course, you feel whatever it is. Yeah, that has been the the biggest help for me and I I use it every single day like yeah oh my god and it's pretty simple too yeah I've been on such a social media tangent about like the harm of it so I can tie it to that too where it's like of course I feel inadequate or less Mm. fun or less pretty Mm. than than what I'm seeing because I'm like I'm inundating myself with images of people Mm. that have been tweaked and mm-hmm. light like edited and all yeah. of these things to to look a certain way or per- like to have us perceive them a certain way of course mm-hmm. of course you're going to feel insecure mm-hmm. but i one thing i really liked that what kristen f said was when we extend compassion to ourselves when we feel insecure it mimics the emotions of like getting comfort from a parent or getting comfort from a loved one it's almost like you're nurturing yourself right so Mm. we when we practice self-compassion we're able to deactivate the threat defense system that like goes into overdrive when we're feeling Mm. attacked or lesser than or shame Mm. and we're able to deactivate that and activate the care system which like helps us (laughs) to nurture ourselves and and feel better and and like lower cortisol and all of these things so yeah that's like the whole have you heard of like reparenting yourself that whole 
I've uh, heard of it, but I don't approach. know much about it. I don't know too much about it, but it's like, I guess, connecting with your like inner whatever that yeah. needs care and, and accepting it. And, yeah. Interesting. Almost yeah. like performing those behaviors yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just watched all of the Maid series. Have you seen it on Netflix? Oh, I didn't know if I could handle it. <laughs> okay. So I thought that too. Everyone made me think that I was going to like fall apart, but it's it is obviously heartbreaking, but it's beautiful. It's it's watchable. It's not like devastating. Okay. okay. But that just made me think of the reparenting thing because she's a very complicated relationship with her parents and she's a parent. And so she's like trying to break the cycle for sure. But it was just so eye-opening on like how complicated those relationships are when we like love family so deeply and also they can fail us in ways and mm-hmm. it's just like such a beautiful show. I highly recommend it. But okay. it just made me think of that because she sort of goes through that process, I assume, is sort of similar to reparenting where she's trying to, you know, become independent in a way that she feels cared for by herself and things like that. <sighs> it's, <hard>. oh, it's <laughs> good. It's good. Okay. So it's good. It's good. another piece that I think I can super relate to is the concept of what we feel we can heal. And so by using mindfulness and self-compassion as resources, we're able to create sort of a sense of safety where we can meet like terrible experiences or embarrassments or whatever it is with less resistance. So Mm. mindfulness focuses primarily on the acceptance of experience, whereas Mm. self-compassion focuses more on caring for the experience. Mindfulness asks, what am I experiencing right now? Self-compassion asks, what do I need right now? Mindfulness says, feel your suffering with spacious awareness. Self-compassion says, be kind to yourself when you suffer. So that was sort of a piece where she was sort of differentiating between mindfulness and self-compassion, but how they're sort of linked. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's powerful to recognize like a lot of it revolves around being able to take a beat and be like, okay, what am I experiencing right now? How am I feeling? What do I need? And so what we f- what we can feel we can heal is just like so important for me as a daily practice because I definitely like to avoid like icky feelings. Mm. And so the idea of <laughs> I just had a, a session with my therapist recently where I brought up something that happened so long ago and sh- and I was like embarrassed. I was like, why am I – I told her, I was like, I don't know why I'm thinking of this right now, but like, I don't, it, it, it's here. Here it is. <laughs> yes. And she was like, yeah, I, th- she said she had great advice. She was like, maybe the reason why you're feeling it right now is because you feel safe and stable mm-hmm. enough for these feelings to finally arise and mm-hmm. to like treat them. Whereas previously, if they had a, like, if they had come up for you, you didn't have mm-hmm. enough like safety and stability to handle them. So you just like avoided them altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool because I think I was asking myself like, why now? And she was saying like, it's not why now, like mm-hmm. now makes sense. It makes sense for it to happen, it to come up now because you have enough safety and stability to like now feel what you couldn't feel then. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. whoa. That was a bit of a <laughs> personal share, but we'll, we'll put it out I there. had two quotes come to mind. Well, wow. Yes. We're They're back. We're there. back, We're people. Back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might have forgotten one already, but the first one. <laughs> 
The first one, I know I heard it on TikTok and I would love to know. I think it was from something, but it actually helped me a lot during my the dark times. <laughs> the dark ages. <laughs> dark ages. It sounds super similar though. It's like, uh, I think it was, if it's coming up, it's coming up to go or something like that. Ooh. So it's like, if they're coming up, they're coming up so you can like release them which mm. I thought was really beautiful and also kind of made me more accepting of like, okay, all of this hurt is coming up or all of the sadness or all of this discomfort, but it's coming up so I can move through it and, and you know, release it, uh-huh. uh, which helped me, you know, be able to sit in it a little bit more. And then <laughs> for sure, the other mantra, this is from the past summer, which <laughs> this one's kind of silly, but it helps too. And it's from something, I don't know what, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> but it was, um, this is uncomfortable, but I'm capable of doing hard things, mm. which like so simple. Yeah. And it helped me a lot. And sometimes you just got to like get down to basics. Of, like, yep, this is hard, but I yeah. can do it, you know? Yeah. Like this is icky and it's here and I can work through it. Yeah. 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 So another piece that Chris and Neff talks about is when we're operating in like our default mode where maybe we're lacking mindfulness, we often are struggling but like don't have the awareness or presence to recognize when we're struggling. And so mindfulness like allows us the opportunity to choose how we might respond to a situation or to have awareness of how something makes us feel. And so because of its relation to self-compassion, it helps us actually deactivate our like default mode, which is at least for most people I know, not the kindest, kindest. And it helps us to choose to activate a version of that that has more compassion for the choices we've made or the mistakes we've made or whatever it is. It's wild. Like it's such a shame spiral thing. I feel like this is some Brene Brown like stuff where why am I trying to avoid swearing? <laughs> I'm like, is this G-rated now? All of the other ones are explicit. (laughs) New audience demographic. I don't know. I was going to say shit, but (laughs) sorry, y'all. But yes, I think that it reminds me so much of that where I think so, at least for me personally, I think so much of my self-criticism often comes from these moments where I do feel embarrassed, which to me is like shame. Like Mm -hmm. you do something that you think is stupid and then you're just like... Like I saw this tweet the other day, I related to it so much where it was like, do you ever leave a social situation and just think to yourself, hmm, not my best work. <laughs> like every social yes. situation. Like I have a like a real talent for like nitpicking the way that I interact with people after the fact in a way where like no one else is thinking about that. I actually think this is one of my biggest um, impacts of these past two years being super isolated is that... Mm. I have new feelings about social situations that I did not previously have. I guess that just means it's important to you, right? Or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I think it depends who it – like if it's someone I really – well, I actually have an example of this. So like I actually do know someone in my life who I'll spend time with them and then I'll be super critical of the way – everything I said. Like I'll just like run it over in my head and I'll be like, I just shouldn't have brought that up or I shouldn't have said this or that. And 
recently I was trying to understand why I do that. And it definitely is a sense of care. Like a piece of that is that. And then I think it's also a feeling of like, maybe I don't feel very accepted in that situation. Mm. And so I feel on eggshells or whatever. Like I, cause there's some people where I say stupid shit all the time and I'm like, they know me, they know my heart. They, Mm -hmm. they like care about me. They're not going to go nitpicking at like one thing I said that was not great. Whereas I think there are other people where maybe I get nervous about that, like how I came across as opposed to like what I meant. (laughs) And I'm sure I'm being like overly, like it's not like I'm saying anything like wild. (laughs) Just like I just think I have more when I feel really accepted by people, I don't do that. And when I have relationships with folks where maybe I feel a little bit like they're, they have judgments that I feel more on edge. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So three elements of self-compassion are, so the first one is self-kindness versus self-judgment. So self-compassion entails being warm and understanding towards ourselves rather than ignoring our pain or flagellating ourselves with self-criticism. So Flagellating. Yeah, I know. Wowie. Flagellating. Uh, yep. I said it. Okay. <laughs> Common humanity versus isolation. Common humanity can also be framed as like connection. So I thought this one was so interesting because it's that concept of like people going, why does this always happen to me? I am the only person who makes mistakes. I am the only person suffering. And so it's sort of this frustration at not having things the way we want to, but being accompanied by this like sense of isolation. Whereas this idea of common humanity or connection is recognizing that like suffering is part of the human experience. We all have things that make us feel inadequate it's not happening to you alone. Like that's Mm. the mind space shift, I think. Yeah. So that's another aspect of it. And then the third one is mindfulness or presence over versus over identification. So Mm. self-compassion requires taking a balanced approach to negative emotions so that we're not suppressing them saying like, I don't want to feel that, (laughs) but we're also not exaggerating them being like, this is the end. And then (laughs) this stance being able to balance them it helps to like relate personal experience to others and put our situation into a larger perspective. I think perspective is such a good word mm-hmm. for it. And mindfulness is like a non-judgmental state. So just like mm-hmm. being aware of what's coming up for you. Interesting. Do you have any moments over the past like two years or even the last year, I guess, where we have been <laughs> on mute where you've just been like, maybe this is such a mean question to ask, but where you've just been like, oh, that was like, have you ever gone into sort of an embarrassment spiral? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Yes. Um, yeah, I I don't know if I want to tell the stories, but I definitely have had moments of like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yes. who was that? Like, why was that? I? Yeah. I think it's probably often when, yeah, maybe in similar situations where like I'm with people that maybe I'm not comfortable with, so I'm not right. acting super authentically or maybe I'm not quite mm. as present because I'm worried about like coming off a certain way and then just end up being like not myself. Yeah. Um yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> I think that's like one of my key emotions is like embarrassment. <laughs> Which like most of the time I'm quite comfortable with. But I tell people this all the time where like I can't watch movies where there's like too bad of secondhand embarrassment because it may – I actually would rather 
feel embarrassed than like watch someone else be embarrassed. Interesting. Like that, like, oh, it like hits <laughs> something in me that like I cannot handle. Like watching someone, like I could never go to a stand-up comedy show, like an amateur stand-up comedy show. <laughs> I'm not saying it's embarrassing, but I'm saying I've heard that there are people sometimes who like have an off night or like flop. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I could not be present for that. Yeah, I could not course. be in attendance. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like you mentioned that in one of our first episodes. And I feel like maybe this is one we didn't post, but I think I said something about how I don't often get embarrassed, but I maybe ma- I can make other people uncomfortable because mm. I like. <laughs> I guess an example would be like I love talking to strangers and like making friends wherever I go and like yeah I can be loud and I can be enthusiastic and and sometimes people are uncomfortable with that yeah but are you really loud or is that just the patriarchy yeah, I, I, may, I, may be, I can be kind of loud sometimes <laughs> you're like both it's both <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah I think more embarrassment maybe comes for me from thinking maybe I made someone put someone else in a position that uh, like, was uncomfortable, maybe? I don't know. That's so funny. I don't think you do that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but you are you are definitely someone who's fairly unfiltered. Mm-hmm. So I think some people who are like maybe super guarded are like, whoa, she's honest. But that doesn't mean they have to be honest. They can yeah. continue as is. I think if I know other people are embarrassed, then maybe I'll get embarrassed. I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> a lot at play there mine is just like basic like behaviors where I'm like nah why did I do that like I just I think it is sometimes like when we get excited or things sometimes I'm like relax Kelsey (laughs) or or I'll just enthusiasm yeah fair but yes I think that to me this is so linked self-compassion to me is so linked to embarrassment or like those feelings of self-criticism where we go into this spiral of just being like why did I say that or like what did like did I stay too long or like did I was kind of the opposite of shame did we already say that like does Brene Brown say that like self-compassion or maybe it's like the antidote to shame or something yeah I'm sure I'm sure she says that she's all about self-compassion and like being wholehearted so just like accepting that you are you and you (laughs) do things that are great and she also talks a lot about like your fair weather friends and your you know stormy bad weather friends and about how when we have these moments of shame where it's like something goes wrong or we do something stupid or I don't know, drunk text that person I don't know what, <laughs> what are people feeling shame about these days that's always a banger and about how we there's different ways for people to help us move through it but she talks a lot about like the different responses people sometimes provide and how they can sometimes be like they feel shame for you like they're like oh no you did what and then you're mm. like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and just about having friends where you they can just – they don't need to be like, that wasn't embarrassing. You didn't do any – but just being like, oh, been there. This is rough, <laughs> dude. Like, sorry that happened. What can we – what can we do? Like, just yeah. kind of wa- going through the mud with you a bit I think is important. Yeah. yeah. But, yes, we're going to talk about some other practices on how to be self-compassionate. So another one that Kyla's just going to love – that Chris and Neff suggest is keeping a self-compassion journal. Ooh. 
So essentially, she recommends doing it for a week where each day you just write a page of writing down things that happened throughout the day that maybe made you feel ashamed or embarrassed or upset or self-critical, whatever it is. And then taking those situations and trying to apply a sense of mindfulness, common humanity, and kindness towards them. So like mm-hmm. X happened and it doesn't matter what your in, like immediate response to it was in the moment, but now that you have the presence on you're like writing down, actually writing down <laughs> the emotions that came up mm-hmm. and being non-judgmental, like being accepting of that experience without diminishing it or becoming overly dramatic. And then writing down how it was part of being a human. It's just mm-hmm. life. We do silly stuff sometimes, not always the best decision makers. <laughs> and then kindness. So write yourself some kind and understanding words the way you would write to a friend if they told it to you. And she essentially says like, do it for a week and see if you notice any changes in like your internal dialogue when the things are happening in the moment. That's like textbook CBT, baby. I can post in the sources an exercise that I do a lot and do with my therapist but yeah it's basically like write down a situation write down how it made you feel write down all the thoughts you had about it yeah. um, no matter what and then usually they're like irrational thoughts and then write <laughs> a, a rational response or like a kind response super helpful for sure do that if you want I also think like if journaling is not your thing and you have a friend that you can bounce these things off of I can think of times in my life where Kyla has formed this this <laughs> space for me and like I've probably told this story on the podcast before but I remember there was a time where like I absolutely needed to remove someone from my life like desperately like this person was just <laughs> taking advantage of me in every way and I remember talking to Kyle about it and being like I just I can't like I don't think I can and Kyle was like okay why and I was like well I don't know like I'll feel like so weird and and bad I guess and Kyle's like well okay like why what's gonna happen and I without even thinking I'm like (laughs) what if one day I'm at Costco and I see this person in the lineup and they know that I've like exited them and then I have to deal with that interaction and Kyla was like what I (laughs) literally don't have a Costco card I it was like it's so beyond but I'm like it was just what I it literally was what I was thinking is like bumping into this person in a grocery store and having to be like oh hi I we I removed you you. (laughs) yes And now I have to see you as if that is worst case scenario, not putting up with the BS for an extended (laughs) period of time longer, but the like one in a million chance that I somehow see them in a grocery store lineup. And I don't know, we exchange like dark looks like I don't know what (laughs) are we going to like hash it out? I don't what's the fear? But to me, that's always just such a great example of like how I remember that moment too. Yeah. (laughs) I think that why journaling and speaking are important for processing these things is it activates a different, uh ooh, fact check. It (laughs) activates a different part of your brain. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how it works, but it's a part that's important for like processing and reframing, et cetera. But I've heard something, (laughs) another quote, that (laughs) brains are for like problem solving but not solution holding or something like that where it's like brains are really good at coming up with ideas 
but if you write them down or you speak them it kind of like moves it into a different part of your brain interesting Um, yeah we're not meant to just like hold these things in our noggins well I mean I'm sure there's like so much evidence behind like that's the whole premise of talk therapy is Mm -hmm. speaking words out loud as opposed to because I just like I was saying to me that example I share obviously is very like anecdotal and not on like not always how my mind goes but it's just such a clear example of like how irrational things can get inside our own heads and yet feel so like such a real threat like Mm -hmm. I had a real fear about bumping into this person and having a really uncomfortable interaction that would leave me unsettled but I was unsettled by my daily interactions with this person so it's like how how is that rational and so sometimes it is just like and it's not like Kyla was being there going like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. But it was just literally her asking me, okay, and, and, and me getting to a point where I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, I don't know why this is my fear. It doesn't make logical sense. So yeah. Yeah. The five whys. That's another exercise is like to dig into things if you're not sure what's going on. It's just keep asking yourself why and then answer and then ask why <laughs> and then answer. And usually you'll get down to some sort of core belief about being fundamentally unlovable or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know the classics, unworthy, unlovable. Leave me, <laughs> you know, uh, you know the, the usual, the usual culprits. <laughs> but yeah, so I think you know we've talked about what it means to practice self compassion. We've talked about some of our personal failings in the department. I guess I shouldn't say failings. Room for growth. Room for growth. (laughs) But I think to tie into what we were talking about in in our part one about, you know, recognizing where we are now is not like, it's not a, it's not a bad spot. Like accepting the fact that, you know, there's areas where I'd like to practice more kindness towards myself and treat myself nicer. But Mm -hmm. I also think there's been growth. And I also think that you know, it's okay to be where we are now and be aware of how we can evolve and not put so much pressure on that. I think that's going to be a theme of this is like, mm-hmm. I think Kyle and I grapple with the whole concept of this podcast sometimes because we want to express how much we also recognize that like you as you in this moment is mm-hmm. absolutely worthy and whole and mm-hmm. and good and not in need of change while mm-hmm. also recognizing that probably like us you desire to learn more about these things mm-hmm. and and I think self-compassion is such a good one because it really is just about treating ourselves with more kindness it's not about mm-hmm. do it's not necessarily about making different decisions we're still gonna send the wrong text and I don't know drink too much at the work party I don't know what are people doing <laughs> that like <laughs> there's what no parties <laughs> Those are clearly personal examples, Kyla. <laughs> give us some other ones. <laughs> no, I don't have any. <laughs> yeah, what is what is embarrassment? I don't know. Um, Never and felt so, it. <laughs> I don't do any of that stuff. But I think, yeah, it's not to avoid making like human mistakes. Just in those moments, instead of going like, "I'm the worst person on earth," you can go, "Okay, this happened." <laughs> I'm going to use some mindfulness. I'm going to listen to, you know, how I'm feeling about it. And I'm going to ask myself what I can do to care for myself and lean on my pals, maybe write it down. Yeah. And also, like, emotions are information. If you're feeling embarrassed and noodle on 
why maybe there's something to learn there embarrassment is like the ultimate ick hey? yeah it's an icky one i don't like it <laughs> maybe i'm suppressing it <laughs> I, was oh, like, no. I don't know i never felt it <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> what do you think, Kyla? Did we do better this time than last time? I think we did better. Are we going to have to take another nine-month hiatus? <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We don't know. We, we're not fortune tellers, but I feel like we have learned to be more self-compassionate over the past year. I yeah. even think, dare I say, that Ooh. us taking a hiatus was sort of an act of self-compassion. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. We're so good at this. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Kristen Neff. <laughs> JK, please all come right. on our podcast. <laughs> oh my god, the dream. Okay, is that all? Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, episode 22, fact check. Self-compassion part two. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so first thing up is the whole concept of reparenting yourself. So, oh. turns out... Kind of a controversial topic. Oh, interesting. So I immediately got nervous when like the first thing that came up when I Googled this was the holistic psychologist because I think the holistic psychologist is like very dicey. So okay. um, I think there's some controversy there as well. But it's not like this person invented this. But reparenting yourself is like very closely, closely linked to healing your inner child. And so... Uh-huh. I think where it gets dicey is sometimes the process of doing this is that a therapist acts as your surrogate parent in the reparenting (sighs) process, which I think is the part that's controversial because like how then does that person not create dependency on a therapist that's like unethical? So, I mean, if people have different opinions on this, hit us up because I don't have, I'm not saying I feel one way or the other open to people's thoughts on it. But in terms of like what it actually is, essentially in theory, is that reparenting is supposed to give your adult self what you didn't get from your parents in childhood. So more than just like basic needs, we look to our parents to learn how to like set limits for ourselves, how to identify, express and manage emotions, how to soothe ourselves and how to treat ourselves with compassion. And so if we didn't get like age appropriate discipline, unconditional love, a model for healthy relationships, skills to understand, manage and manage our emotions and behaviors, then we're likely to struggle with those issues in adulthood. So it's sort of you going back and attempting to provide those things for yourself. And it can be discipline. It can be soothing. Like it can be these different aspects of it. But yes, maybe uh, an area for us to look into further because it was just interesting. The resources that came up weren't maybe as scientific as some (laughs) of the other things when I'm doing fact checks. So Hmm. definitely not saying I'm not keen, but I just wonder if there's some science backing to it as well so something to look into further I think yeah interesting yeah I kind of like the some of the like funky therapy things for Mm -hmm. some reason they seem to work for me but yeah for sure not for everyone and I do not know (laughs) the scientific backing to it so yeah I want to look into that more too and I think maybe if you're doing it to yourself, it's different than having a therapist like stand in and do it for mm. you. Maybe like maybe that's less controversial. So and also, I mean, whatever works for you works for you as long as, you know, there are not ethical boundaries being crossed. <laughs> but enough. yeah, of course, like whatever folks use that makes them feel better is 
good enough but yeah <laughs> I have an example of one <laughs> that happened to me not that long ago um, okay that whenever I got tired I would get like really sad <laughs> and then <laughs> like a baby <laughs> like a baby <laughs> But I didn't know why. Oh, God. And then... <laughs> okay, continue. So... Anyways, I don't really know. <laughs> Basically just realizing that that might be a little baby part of me. <laughs> that needs... <laughs> needs a nap or something. What? I don't know. Oh, it's like very strange. how to care for yourself in those moments. Yeah, exactly. It's like... <laughs> Instead of fighting through it, going to sleep yeah, or something. Yeah, because, like, when you think about when you're a baby and, like, baby... Actually, there's a little School of Life video on this. God, I'm sorry. I'm doing this in the fact check. I'll find it. But it okay. talks about how, like, when you're Don't a baby... Don't say anything that's not true. Okay, I won't. The video talks about <laughs> how when you're a baby, like, the adults in your life, yeah, take care of you. And they would know that, like, after a day of, like, socializing or, like, being a baby mm-hmm. in the world, you would, like, maybe start getting cranky and tired and then they'd be like oh baby needs a nap <laughs> so you just like put your inner baby down for oh my god <laughs> but why don't we do that for ourselves as adults like this is beyond healing inner child it's healing inner baby <laughs> it's inner baby <laughs> an even more controversial topic the inner baby <laughs> i don't know how it works i mean <laughs> is it that is it helps <laughs> Don't most people go to sleep when they're tired? Not me. <laughs> I just get sad. Oh my god. <laughs> so I hope that helps. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Ooh. Oh my god. I'm st- <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I, too, get <laughs> sad when I'm tired. <laughs> okay, moving along. <laughs> Just like a baby. Okay. So, <laughs> it's interesting. All of these are things you said. Um, activates <sighs> a different part of our brain. <laughs> okay, I'm, I need a second. Okay. Okay. So, something else that gets mentioned in this episode is when we're talking about, you know, the power of journaling versus just thinking about things is that it activates a different part of our brain when we're doing that. And so, oh, you know, I couldn't quite <laughs> find that. I'm sure it's out there. But I wanted to share, and I've, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I'm here, we're playing the... <laughs> There's not an analogy or a saying there. I don't I'm trying. But we're we're really gonna keep talking about the benefits of journaling because we love we're it. we're lovers. So reduces stress. Um, it actually is like a stress management tool, it lessens the impact of physical stressors on your health. Literally like can lower your blood pressure if you do it 15 to 20 minutes a day, three or five times three to five times a week over four months. It's shown to lower blood pressure and improve liver functionality. Hmm. It's good for your health. And it also helps you manage stressful experiences because you're like sorting them out and establishing like these habits around it. Helps you unwind and de-stress. Improves your immune function, decreases your risk of illness. Also, there was that study about how people were actually like healing faster when they were wounded by journaling, which is so wild. Um, I'll link to this because this a lot, but 
also keeps your memory sharp because you're like reflecting on things and it helps with your cognitive processing. Strengthens emotional functions because it helps um, evoke mindfulness and perspective. And it also helps you sort of connect like between your emotions and your thoughts around them and just foster growth in those aspects of your life can increase self-confidence. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Brains are so wild. Like a lot of it, when I did a quick little Google on this, (laughs) trying to fact check myself. It, yeah, creates a lot of new neural pathways. Yes. Um, and it like rewires your brain in interesting ways. Yes. And this leads right into because we were kind of talking about why does talk therapy work or like why does talking about things work? And I mean, some of this I feel like is sort of a given, but being in talk therapy that is, you know, successful in nature, it. <laughs> can rewire our brain. So like using brain imaging methods, they have shown that psychotherapy alters the activity in the prefrontal cortex and in your amygdala and your hippocampus. And those are involved in like me-centered worry thoughts, (laughs) (laughs) me-centered, and executive control, emotion, and fear. Again, I'll link to some studies on this. And then CBT, again, so hot right now, (laughs) helps people identify (laughs) negative thought patterns. And then you are able to, because those become like deep wiring and it's like ruts in your your brain, you're able to replace them with more positive pathways and can help people who experience symptoms of depression and anxiety. And again, it's been measured. And then something that people who participated in a study around CBT noticed too is that there is more neural connectivity between the amygdala, which governs fear and emotion, and areas in the prefrontal cortex that govern like thinking and executive function. And the stronger connectivity as a result of CBT meant that people's symptoms related to like depression and anxiety were significantly Mm -hmm. improved. So it's just rewiring the brain in all these magical (laughs) ways. And as long as it's, you know, working for you and you found someone that it works well with, it can have positive benefits. But also CBT, like we've talked about before, is something where there's like there's really awesome books on CBT and and some of it is very Mm self-guided. So again, from an accessibility perspective, there's a lot of YouTube videos on CBT Mm -hmm. and a lot of books. And I have a workbook that I got actually at a secondhand store that is like a workbook that you work through almost like a journal and it's all CBT. Mm -hmm. I'll link it because I can't think of the name off the top of my head. I think it's like David Burns. He's like the guy. I think on CBT. He's the guy. <laughs> yeah. David Burns is like the feeling good guy. David D. Burns, and he's an MD and he's like the CBT person. And so he has okay. <laughs> a bunch of books on it. Cool. So, yes, yeah, so that is what we talked about. And then there were some quotes. <laughs> Again, <laughs> couldn't find sources, but it just means that Kyla's genius, really, because oh, she shared one that said, if it's coming up, it's coming up to go, which I really liked. The only thing yeah. that came up when I, I Google searched that was a gorilla's song. So I'm not sure. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. That's, That's it. Yes, wrong. of course. <laughs> Quote gorillas. Um, And then you shared a mantra, which I just wanted to share again in case people wanted to keep it in mind. This is uncomfortable, but I'm capable of doing hard things. As always, all of these sources and the things we made reference to, whether it's books or movies or people will be included on our show notes. I really recommend you go to our website and click on those because there's so much good information there. And the website is so cute because Kyle is really good at making websites. And (laughs) if you ever 
you know, have a different opinion on anything we talk about in a fact check or in an episode, or you want to share a source with us or a book or anything like that, we are keen believers in, you know, having opinions, but holding them lightly or whatever that yeah, saying yeah, yeah. is that I just put strong opinions but... lightly held. Yes. So feel yeah. free to challenge us on these things too. Yeah. Let's chat. Cool. Uh, is that all? That's, that's her. That was a fun one. Okay. Uh-huh. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>